Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of the Anything Pod, the podcast where we talk about anything. And today I have uh, one of my closest friends, Ravi Rajkarnan from Home Cafe that is in our city. It's one of the best cafes in our city. So a brief introduction about Ravi is that he was born in Madurai on the 29th of March in 1990. And he has finished his master's in software engineering from Anna University. He was also trained in the Bharat Sanchar, Nigam Limited and All India Radio. And he worked in Vishal Group of Companies until 2015 when he quit his job, came to Mysuru and started one of the best cafes in the city called Home Cafe. Welcome, Ravi. How are you? Uh, hi, Pradeemna. Thank you for inviting me here. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I am also good. I uh, hope you and your family are doing well. Uh, welcome to the show. Yeah. I'll start right away uh, asking, um, you know, there was this point when you decided that you have to quit your job and come to, uh, you know, move to another city to maybe start anything. So why did you, uh, you know, what was that point actually where uh, okay. you decided to move to a new city or a state and start something new which was you know maybe uh in your case you had zero experience or anything like that yeah yeah uh honestly speaking uh you know i only wished for a change in my job like even though if it is a, a different place you know a different city state I was actually ready to move. I, I, I actually, you know, I badly wanted a change in my career. Uh, just, uh, you know, uh, and one more thing, like I want to come out of the comfort zone. So I have forwarded, you know, like how all these uh, typical guys used to search jobs. No, I keep forwarding yeah. all my resumes, my known contacts, uh, all those things that I was doing. So in that, uh, one of the guy, he's from Bangalore. Uh, so he had, you know, conveyed this uh, news to one of my good friend in Mysore that I am actually looking for a job. Uh, so he is actually uh, running a cafe in Mysore, and he was working for some company. So he called me one fine day and asked me like uh, whether I will be able to interested to, you know, manage the cafe, uh, which he felt little hard for him to manage uh, both his job and uh, business. So. Uh, the job is like uh, okay like a you know typical manager for a cafe okay so i asked him one thing like okay you're uh, you know already you are uh, you know uh, planning to manage the cafe but uh, i'm somebody who is not into that field i don't have experience in hotel management or all those things uh, will it be able for you to you know accept this he told okay it's not a great thing if you come for a few months you know you can able to understand the business and you can take care of it mm-hmm. uh, by then uh, you know i need to convey my parents and oh. convince them <laughs> <laughs> it was the biggest task uh, my father is a retired headmaster so everything he needs me to be disciplined all in all the phase of my life so for him, there is some expectation, like I need to go these kind of jobs and do all these things. Uh, when I told him, like, uh, you know, I'm going to Mysore and uh, uh, work for a cafe, his initial reaction was, you know, 
not uh, very welcoming and then somehow i uh, convinced him i told like i have very much interested on this and and i had uh, interested in uh, you know doing business especially food i was actually looking for but then when you get a call from somebody like uh, uh, inviting me to manage a cafe then i felt okay something uh, i can uh, you know have a hope on this so that made me to decide uh, okay let's proceed okay so so that's how it is uh, so nothing is planned and uh, you know i actually came mysore to work actually yeah okay so my next question was uh, why did you choose the city of mysore but um, since you you already answered that kind of uh, was it by uh-huh. chance and uh, you know how was your initial days when you came to the city <laughs> yeah i used to tell in a funny way to my friends who all asked this actually i didn't select mysuru so mysuru has selected me <laughs> that's how i reply um, yeah that's true uh, one more thing is like uh, uh, i have, before i was going to mysuru i was like googling uh, about mysuru what it is how it is then i saw many things about mysuru its heritage city all those things then again that also made me to uh, you know add more interest on moving to a city like mysuru okay so um as you as you said earlier you you came here to manage a cafe and mm-hmm. cafe is a very um, less known concept especially in a traditional and a heritage city like ours so mm-hmm. but when you chose the job or you accepted the job um like what how much belief did you have while uh, you know starting to perform the job ah uh, yeah um initially i didn't had any pressure like uh, usually any new job or new uh, career when we start so he gave me that uh, freedom to learn so that actually helped me to uh, you know work in the cafe um, and unfortunately after 6 to i think yeah it's near about 6 month uh, my friend has to move to some other city so he asked me like uh, you came to work for this place uh, whether if you are interested you can only take over this business and you can run since you are interested uh, in this he asked me he gave the proposal then um, i had thought for a day then i asked my parents uh, my father was like uh, i thought he will completely say no because <laughs> going to work for a cafe only he he told me lot of things uh, advised me all those things uh, with uh, 50 50 uh, Uh, you know decision only he he allowed me but then i had a uh, doubt that whether he will uh, make me to you know invest and uh, run a business but surprisingly he was like uh, uh, he gave green signal to me so then uh, things have started so uh, that is the point when you took over uh, yeah, yeah. the entire business so uh, yes 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 what was the name home cafe before um, you came uh, here or is it when you started yes, the it was it was home cafe and i didn't want to change the name i felt like okay let it be as it is because that's how it came to me then i felt like okay let it be you know let it remain as it is and i like the name it was very simple and uh, you know yeah. sounds easy yeah yeah and yeah again talking about the name home cafe because 
the the cafe itself is known to have affordable food for everyone i mean this is a unique concept when we uh, you know come when we compare it to these newly opening cafes in our city where um they are priced quite expensive and they also okay. offer this menu where uh, many people don't understand about it or uh, as i said these uh, the pricing matters so what was your thinking like when you uh, you know you thought to provide uh, affordable menu to the people thank you it's it's indeed a good compliment more than a question <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that uh, see it's very simple uh, you should see in a customer point of view uh, if if i go to some restaurant or a cafe and if i feel uh, after eating when i pay the bill if it feel heavy and then probably my frequency of visit will come down even if it is you know the good food is great and the ambience is great uh, there is something when you pay the bill you, you feel you feel heavy even if it are uh, you know you are a upper middle class or a middle class or whoever it is anybody uh, they always feel the menu should be reasonable and i believe uh, if a customer comes once in a month and uh, go i don't feel it is good he should come in a proper you know the frequency should be more so instead of uh, charging them more and making them come once in a while it's better to charge reasonably and uh, make them visit uh, you know every now and then yeah frequently okay so um, my follow up to that is um, when you took over what were your initial plans when uh, you know you you got it hand over to you and uh, you know mm-hmm. like you you must be having some thoughts running in your head while you took over right so what <laughs> okay. were those thoughts uh thoughts in the sense uh, the first thought is like uh, i need to survive <laughs> okay <laughs> so that is the first thought uh, apart from developments business plans and all these things uh, i want to survive what i have what i am doing and to run it successfully without any you know uh, problems so that's what that what that what my you know initial plans and uh, as you said as they said uh, uh, i didn't have any experience on this uh, food industry earlier um, i feel it uh, even more harder to learn the business so what i was doing in the earlier stages like uh, every week or every you know some whenever i get time i used to visit uh, the other cafes restaurants and all the food outlets i keep observing how they run how they manage how they present so i was doing that process to you know uh, to replicate at least 50% of that uh, in my cafe since i don't have any experience and i don't have anybody to teach me uh, being a, a entrepreneur uh, you know uh, i am the maybe yeah i am the first person in my family to run a food business so i didn't have anybody to guide or to you know learn from anybody so whatever i do i do my mistakes i learn from that so almost everything i learned after doing my mistakes okay so like um your mistakes were your stepping stones towards the yeah 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 future <laughs> exactly of the cafe in my case uh, because i've seen some some of my friends whose fathers can guide uh, while doing the business uh, they they know all these uh, things so they can initially guide us you know son or daughter before doing that mistake but i didn't have that chance maybe that made me to you know uh, 
work hard on the initial stages yeah so um like did you think about the future when uh, you know while taking over the cafe like uh, you had this vision set up um, thinking that okay if i am if i am to run a cafe it should be like this like this like this like in a very disciplined mannered way uh no big plans honestly but one thing i know as a customer if i go to somewhere uh, uh whatever they expect is like a good food good hygiene good customer service so that is what my uh, uh, you know target uh, whatever i uh, establish or whatever i do this should be the uh, you know mantra of running a cafe or food food business okay so uh, again as you were talking about establishing the um, cafe itself so mm. after you took over how long did you take it um, take to you know establish it as a like like how popular it is today how long <coughs> did you take for that uh, how long did that period take actually uh, um, in my case uh, Uh, starting a business become very easy within one night uh, i have de- decided and i have taken over but <laughs> after that there are many things uh, uh, which i faced uh, difficulties in uh, running a business in, in any which way is like if it comes in financial finance management uh, operations management uh, or uh, food menu everything so uh, i was very open to learn so i think even every day even single even now every day i feel it it is establishment is a it's, it's a regular process which i have to do every single day so that's how you can establish there is no end for that i feel so so you think that as you said uh, you know you are constantly learning and you are constantly improving that is one of the major factors that has made home cafe as popular as it is thank you Uh, yes yeah okay so my uh, next question is that you know many people who start these cafes or um, you know small restaurants usually they are considered as a small business owner technically so do you consider okay. yourself to be a small business owner or a big business owner because um, now that uh, home cafe is kind of synonymous in Uh, the best cafes in the city so i am asking your opinion that you consider yourself as a small business owner or a big business owner thank you once again for the compliment <laughs> uh, of course uh, i consider myself as a small business owner no doubt in that <laughs> okay <laughs> so uh, again uh, we have to talk about this uh, the pandemic which uh, you know hit everyone okay. and every lives <laughs> around the planet so how did yeah, the pandemic yeah. affect your business um, especially you know because the malls were closed and uh, for many months uh, i think so around 2 3 months the malls didn't open but uh, mm. uh, you know as you said again as a small business owner how did the pandemic really affect your business okay okay yeah uh pandemic yeah it affected uh, all the sectors uh, yeah it, it literally screwed up uh, left right top right bottom center everywhere 
<laughs> no doubt in that uh, the almost yeah if it is exactly it's going to be 2 years in this pandemic so almost 6 uh, uh, months uh, we completely uh, if we calculate the lockdowns it is almost going to be 6 months uh, time period okay so uh, yeah malls yeah malls is the uh, first to you know every time they announce malls uh, malls and theaters are the first to close and they open at the last so yeah. it was very hard to you know accept that uh, <laughs> but what to do we need to accept that yeah pandemic we had lot of uh, troubles and it's completely new to us see earlier if there is a uh, you know down in the market it affects in a different way but this is completely it's like completely shut your business completely no income um, um you know but you have commitments to pay your bank emis yeah uh, you need to take care of your staffs but at least uh, you need to pay for them at least to if they can pay their house rents if they uh, make sure that they are eating for their food expense groceries so even though there is no income uh, absolutely we have lot of uh, expense basic expense to do take care and uh, of course uh, <laughs> Uh, borrowing money all those things were there um that's what but again it was only thing is like uh, everybody was going through that uh you know uh, depression anxiety sleepless nights nightmares <laughs> absolutely there was no hope at that time it was really uh, you know big hit for everyone uh, so again um as you were you were talking about you know how how really it hit your business especially so what mm-hmm. was the recovery like um, once the lockdown opened and you know at least only food deliveries <coughs> were allowed and um, because um, food deliveries are uh, you know have increased exponentially since the pandemic especially that people are just uh, ordering their favorite foods from their favorite restaurants to their own places and their uh, at least how did the, uh, that phase was to you that recovery phase the recovery phase uh, it is uh, <laughs> to be honest uh, we are still in the recovery phase uh, it may take another uh, some months also if everything yeah. is fine hopefully if it is an endemic then the recovery process will also be you know parallelly it has to be because still now every time there will be a recovery then again there will be hit so even the recovery period also you know not uh, continuous so still we are in recovery uh, process and uh, i really want to thank our team because they were with us uh, even all the hard times and we the, the team is still the same we didn't remove anyone we didn't uh, you know yeah. tell them to uh, search any other job something like that no, we 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 supported them and they indeed uh, supported us so it's a team effort uh recovery process yeah see anything if there is a beginning there should be some end so i feel uh, this pandemic should end soon uh, there is an expiry date for everything so even for covid i feel so okay so again as i <laughs> so was talking only about we have at this point. yeah i yeah. think so i hope so too <laughs> Uh, as i was talking about the fo- the food ordering apps um, i mean i'm sure okay. you'll be getting hundreds of uh, orders daily um, through okay. these apps did those apps okay. actually help you during this uh, you know early recovery phase of the pandemic 
yeah during the complete lockdown time uh, the online apps helped us but uh, not in a bigger way at least uh, uh, we could pay the staff salary and some basic expenses uh, nothing apart from that because your commissions are very high so what you can do is at least you can run the business and you could pay your staffs that that actually uh, taken care by the online aggregators so it kind of um, it helped in a very little yeah, yeah. manner yeah yeah instead of uh, nothing something yeah okay so uh, i'm going to uh, go back to the beginning and uh, this is a question i ask uh, everyone who are in this business side did you face any naysayers before start you know taking over the cafe did anyone discourage you or once you took over did they discourage you saying uh, oh no you shouldn't have done this like that um not before because uh, my as i told you know i i become a, a entrepreneur within a night so it has no you know previous plans process and all so not before but uh, soon after i have taken over uh, uh, there were lot of talks like uh, they see as me as like running uh, being a, he has studied some software engineering work somewhere and he is running some uh, coffee shop tea shop so see they see in such a way like he is running a tea shop coffee shop uh, some uh, food business like that so there are people who are talking even now but um, that usually everybody has to face that so <laughs> you can't escape from them <laughs> yeah so you just brush them off and uh, you get on with yeah, your yeah. Yes, <laughs> job yeah yeah yes uh again um back to the, i mean circling around the same question uh, you said that your okay. father supported you when uh, you proposed him that the thought of taking over the cafe yes, yes. uh, did you have any other positive influences as well uh, when you started this venture uh, positive influences uh, yeah one as a character he, he is my ex boss is mr ilango one so i was working with him in his company so he, he his story is like uh, he's a common man uh, turned out to be a successful businessman uh, which i have seen uh, directly so i have admired all my days when i was working with him so he was my first inspiration in this business uh, but he is into some other business i mean uh, construction business so but still i he is the first person who i could see literally near to me and i have admired every single day working with him so he is a positive influence in a very uh, great way in my life one more influence what i see is like uh, i i had an elder brother uh, he passed away uh, when i was uh, in mysuru just i was 3 days uh, when i came to mysuru he passed away so i had to go back to my Uh, please uh, so then it was a time i need to reconsider my decision like uh, should i go really to mysuru and work or should i stay with my parents and uh, take care of them but surprisingly at that moment my dad said no no you should go because initially he was not happy now he was like uh, after that incident he told me no you should go or else you will be stuck over here so uh, yeah i was telling about that no when i was leaving to mysuru i met my brother 
i told him that i was going to mysore like i showed the photos of the cafe and and i told him like i, I this is the place i'm going to work so the final words what he talked to me is like okay good luck anyway you're going to uh, work in mysore uh, for this cafe but one day you should uh, run a cafe on your own gaining all the experience he told me so when i got this opportunity i just uh, recollected that the uh, words what he told and just i connected the both the things uh, and then i have that made me to you know take a uh, strong decision uh, honestly saying i didn't had any max calculation strategy market strategy nothing uh, in uh, still i even at that point of time i didn't know at least to talk in kannada at least in a continuous sentence also but only with this gut feel that made me to you know uh, uh, decide this actually yeah, i'm so sorry to that is a greater uh, that's a big, very big influence i see even now if i look uh, back those days uh, so sorry about your loss but uh, i think so that were his blessings that he showered upon you might be when, might when be, he said be. that's what uh, i should... feel yeah <laughs> um do you have a business mantra anything like specifically that you have in your mind while operating uh, in your cafe uh business mantra is like any business you should be ready to learn every day if you think that you know everything then i feel that's where uh, you are, you will be you know in trouble i feel so you should keep learning you should uh, uh, keep uh, having people who are in this field uh, in i mean in your respective field you should have some good mentors so that will help you really um, and you should always observe what is going around in your business uh, that helps you a lot and business is not just only about money you have to enjoy the process and business is something it will teach you everything every single thing you wanted for leading a life it teaches you everything yeah so uh, with those teachings you uh, you know you dynamically have your mantra according to those uh, lessons that you learn basically yes 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 yeah okay um so do you have any special dishes that are present in your cafe that uh, you know you feel that it has this special magic kind of thing uh yeah see i can't tell that i have something which nobody has in that menu uh, of course uh, the usual menu but what i can tell is like of course we we take special effort to prepare those dishes we we make sure that all the uh, raw materials ingredients everything has for a good quality uh, so that is what i feel so special dishes okay if i want to really tell Uh, through the feedbacks what i can tell is uh, people love our coffee they i have received more uh, you know feedbacks on uh, our sandwiches and rolls uh, that's what i can tell yeah yeah uh, even <laughs> i love your coffee so basically <laughs> Thank you. Uh, basically what you can say is that every dish that is present in your cafe is kind of a special dish <laughs> yes yes, yes. <laughs> so again talking about those dishes um you know even in your cafe and in many cafes that i've uh, been to the flavors that they have on their menu is is kind of a hybridized 
hybridized version of those global and indian flavors is that the only okay. way to uh, you know improve the business by um, bringing in those global dishes but changing it to the indian way um yes of course hybridization is needed because if you see in tier 2 tier 3 cities uh, if you bring up some you know authentic italian cuisine or mexican cuisine or some other cuisine uh, you know you don't get that much of uh, you know uh, welcoming from the public because uh, indian taste buds are completely different so even if you see the big brands like kfc mcd all those people even though they have their presence is all over the world when they come to the indian market they make sure they try to give some you know some indian touch um, for example through their seasonings or masalas or any spices so they try to add they try to indianize uh, so those uh, uh, recipes so i feel hybridization is needed uh, to improve the business okay um so um did you face any difficulties while you took over the cafe in your initial days yeah as i said uh, taking over was easy for me but to hold that business and to sustain survive all those things it was a really a big roller coaster <laughs> difficulties in the sense yeah initially when i was approaching the banks you know nobody was uh, interested to fund <laughs> almost i have visited all the Uh, you know banks uh, but nobody was interested to fund the problem here is like uh, to for a startup it's very difficult to you know get funded with the banks so those difficulties uh, i faced and finally uh, one good manager a friend of mine uh, he with a great influence he only you know sanctioned my loan i at this moment i need to thank him uh, his name is uh, mr balu he, he was working for uh, repco bank so if he was the one who um, supported you yes yes, yes. yeah yeah he he actually has, he has taken a lot of uh, efforts and he has uh, you know uh, convinced the bank to fund me okay so uh, this is a section called uh, quirky questions where uh, it is very simple questions where i ask your uh, you know favorites kind of stuff uh, okay um, who is your favorite music artist uh yeah raman okay straight up answer okay yes yes, yes. uh do you have a favorite chef if yes who is that yeah of course i love uh, this vengadesh uh, but okay you know uh, i love the way he explains you know he's it's very simple and uh, i love the way he talks okay he's my favorite um what is your go to beverage where, while you're working uh tea or coffee okay yeah you um you know change between yeah yeah i love both 50 50 i love both equally okay um you know how are the canada people especially mysoreans now that you have also become a part of our city <laughs> uh see uh, since i was new to the place uh, the only uh, possibility for me to meet people is my cafe only so most of my customers have turned out to be a good friends including you uh, you are my customer <laughs> and a good friend uh, i got good friends over here good neighbors i got a good 
set of mentors over here who you know uh, uh, guide me in all the ways either it's business or in life um, yeah many people have helped me out in the beginning stages uh, people are you know basically i love to uh talk to people i i am i am a easily mingling guy so i'm not saying all this just to say only good things yeah. so even anywhere you go uh, good and bad people uh, both will be there uh, like it depends on how we choose uh, people with us that's what yeah. what is your favorite food favorite food i mean in mysore or uh, generally uh, you can take it as a cuisine I'll leave out the indian cuisine <laughs> in cuisine if i leave uh, okay pizzas okay uh, <laughs> who is your favorite hollywood actor and hollywood actress hollywood actor johnny depp uh, will smith okay actress uh, of course i think you know uh, gal gadot okay Uh, do you do you have any specific quote that you uh, you know follow while maybe for your life or your for your business you have anything specific like that yeah it's a famous one very simple uh, what you think what you become okay if you were a fictional character who would you be uh you mean indian fictional characters or uh... it's your wish any any fictional character <laughs> uh james mon okay if it, if you ask in india then i will tell shakti mon okay <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite activity to do while you are not um, in your business mode uh love to hang out with my friends okay how do you balance your work and personal life Uh, see, I'm basically a very flexible person, so by nature uh, that helps me in that uh, balancing uh, my personal and uh, you know uh, work life. So um, you know you don't face any problems usually. Yeah, yeah. Balancing. Okay. I I can adapt any situation, so I can handle it. So that's great. That's all. Okay. So um, this is again back to those serious questions. Um, you know. Okay. again uh, this is again back to the beginning um, when you took over the cafe how was your uh, that first day business as a owner and uh, how far do you think that the cafe has come from that point to um, today's business okay uh initially and you are asking me like day 1 and now how it is yeah, yeah. yeah how it was on the day one and uh, how how improved it has been now my confidence level has increased from day one to now that's what i can say in online <laughs> okay initially i was very you know i was not much confident uh, uh, to say myself uh, like i'm doing this kind of business and all but now that has increased a lot okay uh would you like to share your current goals that uh, you have set both for yourselves and your cafe myself and cafe is actually directly proportional so <laughs> okay uh, so, 
Oh, right now the current goal, no bigger goals, but of course uh, the main priority is to you know uh, repair all these uh, pandemic effects and uh, set the business back to the track. Okay. Um. So you have your own coffee brand right now. It's called Helios. And yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, how would you um? Sorry. Uh, like. it's kind of new because the name itself is new and um, okay. you know i have felt the texture and the taste it is also very new to the taste buds so um, okay when did you think that okay having our own coffee brand is a great idea that uh, you know because um, in in a city like ours it is very traditional to go to the market and get your coffee beans grounded and get it back home but your cafe now offers this yeah. amazing uh, packet and uh, you know your marketing in marketing it in such a way that people can't resist but to buy that so what was your thinking when okay. you wanted to bring that uh, helios coffee uh, yeah it was a long time plan uh, due to this pandemic uh, it get postponed continuously so then i thought this is the year at least we should uh, somehow do a soft launch and start off as soon as possible so helios yeah it's a greek word uh, which means sun so sun is the common element which you can't avoid so i i i you know i always admire sun the qualities of sun so that's why i selected the name helios uh, yes giving a good coffee powder yeah as you said uh, mysore karnataka you know uh, it's a the coffee powder production is uh, more comparing to other states in india so that that is actually easy for us to procure uh, directly from the farmers and uh, you know roast it and grind it and pack it on your own thing so my target is uh, selling through more on online to other states and uh, cities because here I'll, i think there are more uh, uh, brands but still there are some other places where uh, the you know there is still there is a a demand yeah okay um so again talking about mysuru uh, what are the things that you felt personal about this city and what are the things that you love about mysuru uh, i think so um, what i felt from uh, you know how you admire the city i feel that you have a special bond with the city itself so do you have a special bond or uh, you know is there something like that that you have you feel that is personal about the city uh, yeah <laughs> although i was born and brought up in uh, uh, studied everything in madurai so mysore made me an entrepreneur so that itself a very special thing for me so and uh, yeah the one common factor with uh, uh, mysore and madurai is like both are culture capital cities so so i didn't feel much difference with the people and the culture and as they say in the stories uh, i came to mysore with uh, one bike and uh, two bags of clothes <laughs> so that's how my journey in mysore began um love for mysuru yeah in a small way which i could uh, 
do in return due respect to mysore and the land is like uh, you know i have decided like my kid should born in this place so now my son is the first mysorean in our family tree so <laughs> that is a small thing which i could you know enjoy doing that uh, <laughs> at giving back kind of uh, yes yes yeah. in in what way i could i can do okay um so as we talked about it in the beginning you had to change okay. your career from software engineering to running an, a business and be a successful entrepreneur so generally okay. is career changing a good thing so like um maybe uh, as a first person because though you have succeeded many have failed to so generally what do you think about that uh, see for some people uh, circumstances will bring into the career changing in their life and for some they are forced to change their career and for some people like me uh, there might be a deciding point whether to change or not so uh, for the first two categories i don't think so uh, what should i tell but a person like me who get an up, you know chance like whether to decide uh, whether to change it or not uh, it's up to you if you know Uh, if you have confident on your decision and if you are uh, uh, you know feel good that uh, the change is needed then i think uh, it's about an individual's uh, decision i feel so okay when it comes to the end it's again a decision that yeah 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 it's about uh, an individual uh, okay so uh, do you have any advice for those people who are thinking uh, you know who who maybe listen to this podcast and are thinking about a career change and uh, do you have any advice that helped you in this manner uh advice for the people uh, in general or who is looking for a, a change in their career, career. Change. yeah change in the career uh, see of course uh, for everything they used to tell you need to work hard be sincere love your job all those etc etc but i need to tell few things which you you should not do okay yeah this is kind uh, of fun because is, yeah people say that what should be done it is good yeah, that you are telling done. what should not be done yeah i can tell what should not be done first thing is like uh, you should stay away from the naysayers okay because uh, they are the people you know they will make you drown you you know they keep telling all about uh, it won't work out uh, uh you need, you know you need to uh etc etc i know uh, the naysayers what they tell uh, they don't encourage you basically so that will uh, at a certain point of time it will it will drown you actually uh, the second thing is uh, uh, you know you should not worry about uh, rejections okay uh, there might be a lot of rejections on your uh, you know journey so all that all those things you should be ready to accept uh, and the third thing is like uh, never say you know no to the opportunities whether it is big or small just try it uh, just try to understand what it is it may be a you know a turning point in your life but just try what it is and then you you know you decide whether it is okay for you or not but just you know please welcome all the opportunities never say no to anything and the fourth thing is you know 
you should not have a fallback mechanism like when you you know having a career change or starting a business or anything and uh, if you have a fallback mechanism like uh, if it doesn't work out uh, i will do that or if it doesn't work out i can go back to the job uh, all those things if you have in mind uh, see whether uh, you uh, you know if something happens or not but all these thoughts will make you you know not put your effort 100% so you should avoid all these four things okay. doing so um from your last point um are you okay. the person that believes you know you should stick to plan a and make that work or uh, you know rather than having a plan b to fall back on <laughs> uh i'm not saying that uh, you should not have plan b but so few things i think uh, there should not be plan b it should be only plan a okay. <laughs> so because uh, we can put in that effort extra effort and yes, make yes, that yes, happen yes. Okay. yes 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 because the moment you have plan b then your plan a will automatically doesn't work okay in some cases okay so this is the last section um, where it is called okay. un- uncommon questions and signature questions these are the questions okay. which are uh, you know pretty uncommon that i'll ask you and it is ju- it is again straightforward questions that's all so okay. Uh, okay. what what's something that people seem to understand and misunderstand about you <laughs> what they understand is like uh, you mean in general or general general what they try to understand mm. and i'm not getting the right answer <laughs> okay <laughs> okay okay what makes you feel inspired what makes me feel inspired feel inspired uh inspiring character in the sense uh, in business i could say uh, you know ratan tata because he is a very inspiring uh, personality and uh, yeah he is a inspiring character what makes me inspired is like as i told earlier uh, there are few influences which made me to mm. you know yeah. decide few things okay so um, if you can go back in time and talk with your 18 year old self what would you tell him i would have told him uh, you know not to do engineering and would have done some other <laughs> <laughs> uh, degree yeah because okay. 5 years i have studied engineering and i didn't use it for anything <laughs> <laughs> okay what is the most important th- thing that you have learned in your life important thing important thing what i have learned is like uh, see every day when you sleep uh, you should have the feel like uh, you know you have not done anything wrong to anyone you didn't hurt anyone uh, that peace is what i have learned more than you know anything that is what one should uh, have in life i feel okay that's great uh, who are the three people who have been most influential on you three people inspiring you know it's a you know like my friend circle or generally anybody? whom you consider the top 3 whoever it may be 
inspiring of course uh, first is my father uh, he had uh, suffered a lot in his uh, young stages and uh, he you know he become a government servant and then with a single income he has run the family so that is always an inspiring thing second is uh, second is yeah uh, my ex boss uh, mr ilangovan okay. so with him i worked work directly with him so that is a very big uh, phase of my life uh, which helped me in learning business third thing is uh, our uh, greatest uh, superstar rajnikanth okay. uh, is life itself a very you know biggest inspiration uh, and i would like to tell you one more uh, <laughs> mutual thing with me and uh, rajnikanth is like he came from uh, you know karnataka to tamil nadu but i came from tamil nadu to karnataka <laughs> which i you know i feel very close to related to him with my life <laughs> so okay yeah all these three characters i i you know inspired me okay this is the last section called signature questions uh, these two questions okay. are uh, only unique to the anything pot podcast so okay if you were to advise a person who wants to come into your profession what okay. is that advice if, if for example i am coming to you and as i'm i'm telling you from tomorrow i'm going to start my own cafe what would you advise okay. that person um that was as i said earlier uh, you know you stick with your plan uh you apply those four rules what i told okay <laughs> <laughs> easy okay uh, what is the anything that you would like to talk which is not at all in your field something that is not related to your field at all i mean i am interested to talk right yeah any which random to talk, yeah. yeah random okay. uh, stuff which is not related to your career okay okay yeah yeah i can tell you uh, this this pandemic you know during this pandemic uh, all these uh, you know uh, mental stress physical stress uh, financial stress all these thing put together it was a very you know very hard part in my entire life so that taught me you know to to get away from that uh, i started reading about uh, you know the spirituality not the you know the common thing it's like complete a true spirituality about uh, yourself your inner peace okay so that's when i started uh, uh, reading about spirituality uh, to come out of all these uh, depression anxiety and all those uh, sufferings so right now my most uh, you know interesting uh, thing to talk about is spirituality and when i meet people with people interested in those things i love to talk even for us okay So, do you consider yourself as a spiritual person now um, yes uh, i consider myself as a spiritual person yeah okay so uh, do you have anything else that uh, you would like to tell our listeners uh, any special thing or something like that you mean asking about uh, which thing? i i'm Any, not getting anything it. generally um, would you like to tell anything to our listeners um keep your inner self happy so everything will be you know fine that's what i feel because uh, all the day we we work like anything we 
uh, we you know do all our uh, commitments and everything but end of the day we we forget uh, uh, you know what we are living for and that's what i feel you you should you should concentrate on your inner self that's what more important i feel okay uh thank you so much for giving your time and uh, you know coming on to the podcast and answering the questions that i had. No, no, i should i should actually thank you <laughs> for uh, making me a, you know uh, in fact this is my first ever interview in my whole <laughs> life uh, so uh, sorry if i was uh, wrong at some stage no, places uh, <laughs> the the whole point of this uh, show is that there's nothing wrong in it so okay, okay everyone and everything has its own uh, perspective <laughs> and you know unique opinions so okay okay thank you for sharing your uh, history and past and uh, <laughs> you know history uh, the present and the future of what you, you and you. what you think and uh, once again i thank you so much for coming on to the show and giving your valuable time for this thank you thank you pradeepna like i even i wish you for all your uh, future projects uh, my very best wishes thank you so much <laughs> hey guys welcome to the latest episode of the anything pod uh, i know it's been a little gap uh, so we are back again uh, we are now here with uh, mr hanumant ravindranath he was born in uh, 1964 and he completed his btech in electrical engineering from the university of calicut and since his graduation he has developed and managed and run several businesses and he has been developing residential layouts since 2006 um he is basically uh, specially known for uh, drc cinemas in my city of mysuru and uh, he is the member of the projects management committee at junglescapes a restoration ngo and junglescapes has restored around 3500 acres of degraded forests in the bandipur tiger reserve and uh, so far his work on climate change and uh, for wildlife has been monumental and it has been helpful to many of the animals in in the sanctuary and he is he is passionate about sustainable living and fighting climate change and he is a mentor for rural kids and he also teaches english to underprivileged uh, kids in the rural areas so uh, welcome to the anything pod sir how are you doing thank you pradyumna uh, great thank you so much nice to be here like guys sir uh, can we just dive into the topic absolutely yeah yeah so uh, we are here to talk about uh, climate change and um, you know what are the efforts that we can put to fight that so i want to uh, start by asking um, what is the basic definition of climate change and what it means to fight it uh, yeah that's a very good uh, opening uh, topic <clears throat> see climate change climate always follow certain paths as we know historically we know that you know the Uh, southwest monsoons are going to come in at a certain time it's followed by the regular monsoons uh, and then the northeasters and so on so in fact the cropping pattern and the practices of farmers are based on these patterns in fact um uh, in fact almost all the uh, the world over the life cycles of insects reptiles animals 
are all based on these patterns of climate. So anything that disrupts them or makes it to change, change, you know, is inevitable. It's fine. It's part of evolution. But when the change is too fast and which doesn't allow uh, the people and the, and the organisms living in it a sufficient time to, uh, to evolve along with it, then we call it as climate change. You know, it is something that we are unable to come to terms with quickly. Um, change is always there, like we had the old ice age uh, about 11 and a half thousand years ago. And since then till now, there has been a very gradual increase in the temperatures, which is fine because the change is gradual. But now in the last maybe 50 to 100 years, we have seen so much of change that we are forced to term it as climate change. It doesn't give us sufficient time to evolve and adapt. So that's the problem. Uh, what are the first steps that a person can take against climate change? That's, a, again, a good question. The step in me, uh, that there's such a thing called climate change, to stop being in denial, to understand that, yes, there is climate change, and in some way, human beings as a species, we are responsible for it. So they accept the responsibility of, the, that we are the people who are creating the climate change. Once we know that we are it, we are the people responsible and we are actually uh, creating self, uh, in, we are self-inflicting wounds on ourselves. So once we stop this with the awareness, then the lot of possibilities open up once we are ready to understand that we need to change our ways. Till then it's an uphill battle. Okay. So, um, since the first step is actually to accept that climate change is happening, but yeah. once we uh, we come to the terms of accepting it, what is uh, how would how would one diversify the steps that have to be taken to uh, combat climate change? Right now, the first thing is acceptance. Now, many people need visual proof that climate change is indeed happening. So, I would say that you know anything which is um, not normal or part of the regular pattern, uh, like for example, extreme weather events, right? Or like we see that the shift from, right now we are in Mysore, the shift from winter to summer happens in a matter of days. Like uh, it's it's cold and, and you need to, you know, um, cover yourself with a blanket. And suddenly the next week you feel that not only you don't need a blanket, you need a fan. In just a few days, the weather, the climate has changed. And so that is a swing from one extreme to the other. It's no longer gradual. And the amount of rainfall that comes in, you know, uh, earlier we, we used to have rains in uh, July, August. Ashada is a typical example. So people, in fact, ensured that you didn't do much during that time. And that's why it's considered to be inauspicious to have something during Ashada because it was inconvenient. And now you see that during Ashada, there's not much rain at all. Yeah. But it's in October, November, December. You have cyclones coming in from the Bay of Bengal, from the Arabian Sea, from everywhere. So that's a change. So this directly affects the, uh, you know, the the every every section of society. It affects. It ruins their plans and uh, it creates uh, major issues. You have you are seeing uh, insects coming in from, uh, you know, from 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 the desert area and invading, trying to invade the crops. So because the climate is now favorable for them to come in. So all these are the visual indicators of climate change 
the number of extreme events that are happening, the frequency of these events. So these are all indicated. I mean, it's only going to get worse. So this, these are looking at a holistic uh, way. Uh, these are the indicators that you know uh, are uh, you know the ma major uh, points one should look at to understand that there is climate change. Now, coming to your question, what we can do about it? Once we accept it, there are many things that as individuals that what we can do. Uh, starting from uh, spreading this awareness to others is the first thing because it's not enough if I do. We as a species, as a community, as a group, we should we all should feel responsible and take responsibility. So in order to do that, those who have understood and recognized climate change is there should first make the attempt to tell others about it. You know, and good way to do it would be to go and talk to uh, children because it is their lives who are, which are going to be impacted the most, right? And for example, or, or go to schools, go to colleges and tell them that this is what is happening. So bringing the awareness first. And then of course, there are, we, we go into the reason why, you know, by human activity, what is the reason, you know, the climate is actually the physics behind it, the science behind it. We can go after that and uh, try to address these issues one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so I think we can agree that plastic plays one of the major aspects of climate change uh, in general. So um, I, I've heard people say we should always recycle plastic. We should always recycle plastic. I mean, I agree with that. But uh, I also heard that there are certain grades of plastic that can only be recycled and the others can't be. So is there anything... Uh, else that can be done with a plastic, uh, like perhaps repurpose it uh, in a different manner? Absolutely, yeah. See, I, I wouldn't single out plastics as the uh, single biggest factor for climate change, but yes, it is also definitely a contributing factor. And as you very rightly observed, some types of plastic can be uh, recycled and reused um, for the same purpose, but it's far easier you know, to um, repurpose plastic, like for example, whatever you use, a typical example would be to uh, the uh, water bottle that, you know, packaged water bottle that comes in, in a one liter, half liter, two liters. It is used. Generally, people tend to, you know, throw it away. Yeah. Um, so what can be done is that it can be reused, you know, in your gardens. You can, you know, slice the top off or make a couple of holes, use it as a container, you know, and and you can also, of course, we cannot reuse it for the same purpose because the chemicals in the plastic would leach into the water. So you cannot use it for the same purpose, but can you repurpose it? Like creativity and imagination, if one if one has it, you can repurpose the plastic things for almost anything. You know, there's so much of use that can be put into instead of uh, trashing it and and it ending up in a in a garbage pile. And again, that said. Plastic is not the major contributor for climate change. I would, if you ask me, what is the single major contribution for climate change to happen? Is it's because of our lifestyle. You know, we are living in a way as though uh, there is no end to resources, natural resources. But of course, we need to understand it is finite. It's not infinite. Yeah. So we have to live accordingly, live according to in a manner which is sustainable so that the future generations also you know, have the advantage of living in a, in, a, in a climate which is predictable rather than 
in the present day scene so um sir as you said um since our lifestyle is one of the major factors yeah. that is leading to climate change yeah. but um the modern society is basing our lifestyle as the country's gdp itself so yeah. isn't it like a battle between a country's gdp and the environment of the planet yeah you are right pradina uh, i mean this is it is a very uh, you know a tricky and a, and a controversial thing that you know that people make it out to be whereas actually it need not be uh, <clears throat> environment is never against development we need to understand that so it it's a, it's i would say i would call for a balance between development and uh, environment because we need to understand that unless the environment is there there is no point in getting developed if you if you have air will the water is polluted and the in a big city number you might be the best in the whole world but your people will not be able to live you will be you will have to every house will have to have a hospital which is attached to it because you won't have health you won't have happiness and therefore there is no point in achieving something at the cost of our own uh, you know uh, well being so the the ideal situation would be to balance the environment it continues to provide the ecosystem services for which which we have used to since millions of years that should continue and along with that we have going we adopt a model where the development is sustainable so if the, those these two go hand in hand then i think that therein lies the our ability to have uh, see one should be obsessed about gdp numbers i i feel see because it uh, it shouldn't come at the cost of everything yeah, there there should be an understanding that the you know um, the uh, whatever gdp number it is that we look for is in turn so that we can have a a good lifestyle a healthy lifestyle and 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 a sense of well being that is what the gdp is supposed to reflect and if we don't get that then there is no point getting the gdp number so uh what i mean to bring the balance between both the environment and the development as you said so can uh, can products be priced according to uh, its carbon emissions or yes. uh, its yes. sustainability of that specific product absolutely that's in fact that's one of the greatest thing that one can do once we go let's assume we are all aware that our lifestyles are creating climate change and of course we continue with their lives and try to improve our lives that's given now assume we are going into a supermarket or a market to buy stuff so we need to be conscious buyers that's very very important so like for example three things normally we have to keep in mind which is don't buy stuff that you don't want a you are going in to buy let us say one bottle of x just going buy that bottle of x and come out so just because there are there are hundreds of other stuff lined up there we don't go on buying it that we might need it tomorrow or day after when you need it do go again and buy that's the first thing second thing is don't waste whatever you have bought use it fully you know so that it is totally used and the third thing is that buy as much as possible from the nearest place where it is manufactured or or it is obtained in a sense so be local so the normal example that i always give is if you are buying apples 
choose apples that come from Shimla or Himachal Pradesh rather than trying to take buy apples which come from Washington or New Zealand simply because it's not the price which is written on the apple that counts. It's the ecological cost. What is the carbon footprint? It is traveling all the way from Washington and it's perhaps subsidized, which is the reason why it appears cheap here. But the actual cost is much, much more. The cost on the environment of that apple reaching India and you know the last mile is much, much more than what is actually written on the label. So one, wherever we go into a market, first thing what should do is, which is the country of origin? Where is it made? If it is the closest, go for that. Yeah, I mean, all other things being equal. I can understand if you need something that is not available here, then yes, go for you know the nearest wherever it's available from. But we should always as buyers, because end of the day, if there's no demand, the product doesn't come. We are responsible for the carbon emissions. We are responsible for climate change because of our purchasing trends and lifestyles. So wherever possible, just pause for a moment and let's see if it is really necessary. I know people will counter it by telling that this is bad for the economy. It's a consumerist. See, we are entering into a consumerist economy. I don't want to get into a debate on that. But consumerist economy also has its own downsides. There, there are consequences. There are costs. So rather than believing what other people, what people are trying to sell, rather than believing them, I think we should just listen to our own common sense and judgment and be conscious buyers. So that's something that if every one of us does, I'm sure that it will go a long way in, in, in the hell with GDP numbers. I mean, we are interested in our well-being, yeah. you know. So once we take those, uh, that's, those kinds of stands, then I think we can achieve a good balance. Okay. So um, I heard about the term called climate justice. Um, so can you explain it to me like I'm a lay person so that I can understand about, about that? Yeah, the climate justice is a, is a, is a very important uh, term because see, it's like I do something and the consequences of that is borne by somebody else who is not in a position to face those consequences. Like, for example, you know, the famous Pareto's principle applies here. I would say 15% of the world is responsible for 85% of its problems. The poor 85, they have, no, they have no stake at all in whatever goes on, right? So whether it's climate change or whether it is um, any other pollution or whatever, they are not the people who are responsible for the 85% or the, the bulk, the, the huge bulk of the ordinary man is just living, is just surviving and, you know, with, with uh, not a great existence. It's, it's the 15%, the remaining 15% who the rich, who are creating lifestyles, who are setting the trends, setting aspirational demands in everyone else, and then uh, creating the consequences of that, which are borne not by the 15%, but by the 85 percent. So when we talk of climate justice, the the rich who have I'm talking the historically rich, I'm, and I'm not trying to single out any particular person or nation here. It's just it's just the way the things have developed. The the people who have historically been responsible for the climate change should, and they can afford if they can afford, yeah. pay up pay up to see that you know, the rest, the remaining uh, people of the world don't suffer because of their present and past actions. So that is climate justice. The people who are unable to 
to fair bear the uh, consequences of actions done not by them but by somebody else you know so that somebody else should at least do something to see that the like for example you have a country like perhaps maldives or some other island in the pacific where or even our own coastal cities which are threatened by rising levels of sea water um, bangladesh dhaka for example i mean in 50 years you may not have a dhaka because of the rising sea levels so and dhaka is home to millions and millions of people and, and it's not as though they can so easily afford to you know combat this thing and move away and have other businesses and continue business as usual nobody can do that especially in the, in the developing economies uh, when they are threatened by a disaster of this scale there nothing much that they can do about it so here is where climate justice comes in ensuring that the vulnerable the people who are vulnerable to these climate change is they are protected and they are offered alternative solutions and they are helped in and supported so that is climate justice okay um so what are your thoughts on changing the world gdp metrics based on sustainability because as you were saying earlier uh, there is one of the very good steps that one uh, government or multiple nations can take that um, because pricing by sustainability what if the entire gdp matrix itself is changed to uh, yeah. on sustainability absolutely i mean that would be a a, a fantastic game changer uh, if products are actually priced based on their carbon footprint rather than on some kind of an alternative a currency mechanism which is being adopted right now like for example a very common thing is that the the exchange rate between the us dollar and the indian rupee is around some 75 78 rupees something but the purchasing power parity is different it's around 20 rupees or 25 rupees so 1 dollar is actually equal to 20 or 25 rupees based on purchasing power parity so which means that actually the dollar and the rupee the official exchange rate is it's not a correct one so when you have this kind of a flawed um, you know currency exchange rate right based on other considerations then you don't get the true picture of what's going on very similarly in the case of you know it it uh, it allows the uh, countries to subsidize their products so that it can be exported and their domestic economy therefore is sustained and so on so these things you know uh, come into play so instead if the all the people in the all the nations in the world can arrive at yes we have done this so far we played this game now it's time to take a hard look at how we are going to price our products whether it is a, a machine or whether it's a vegetable or a fruit or even culture or whatever it you take it what is the carbon footprint of that right so is it necessary for me to airship everything by the time it reaches because air, air is again it's burning tons of fuel fossil fuels and it has got a, a, a tremendous um, impact on the environment every flight that we take is you know harming the so are we doing something which is equal are we um, contributing to removing that carbon back from the atmosphere so these things should be incorporated into the cost that people pay to get the product only then the the awareness of the damage that we are doing so obviously when you go to a supermarket you look at or well, instead of looking at what is the cost in indian rupees you are going to look at what is the cost on the planet yeah. right so if that kind of a, a a pricing mechanism can be arrived at for 
at least to begin with the easy low hanging fruit the easy things that can be done and then gradually move up it would really create a sense of uh, awareness uh, among the consumer i think that's a very very good suggestion yes so uh, as we were talking about fossil fuels uh, and its impact on the environment in general and since uh, there's been a development in the sale of electric vehicles in india uh, be it cars or scooters uh, i read an article day before yesterday that in a single day around 750 electric uh, cars were sold i think it is a step in in the right direction but uh, what are your thoughts on the on evs in general and the future of transport itself again so um, human being cannot live and prosper without transportation and movement that's a given so we need to choose which is the most efficient way which is the best way of of movement of men and material my own individual thought is that right now we need to do whatever it is to get out of the fossil fuel regime so any alternative like electric vehicle i know electric electric vehicles have their own comes with their own baggage of pollution how to dispose the batteries and so on yes but today i think the need of the hour is to see that a we need to decrease the carbon in the atmosphere we but though we talk about it though we know it we continue to 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 uh, emit more carbon than we are absorbing so for me uh, the advent of uh, electric vehicles and uh, using batteries to power the vehicles is is great news and uh, and of course we will have to simultaneously work on finding out what is the pollution and how are we going to tackle that now we don't want to replace one big monster with another but i personally think that in this case it is the lesser of the two evils definitely we should accelerate the production of electric vehicles so that the emissions uh, by fuels by uh, vehicles which are using fossil fuels they have they come down uh, you know by a large extent um, we will we will uh, probably keep doing some research uh, to finally end up in a place where i think uh, human mind is ingenious so we will end up in a place where we also get uh, a fewer fossil fuel or a non atmosphere destroying kind of an energy source while also ensuring that the pollution cost associated with that is minimal i'm sure as a species we'll be able to arrive at that but there should be a push there should be a trigger there should be a prick only then we'll do it as mm-hmm. long as diesel is available at 10 rupees or 15 rupees what is the incentive for people to try and change if it is 100 or if it is 200 i'm not advocating that few uh, you know it's going to trigger inflation so i don't want that but you know going in that direction will force people to innovate to invent ways and means to see that you know we keep our costs down so definitely i am for electric vehicles right now uh, and i'm also for research in that field to see how best we can um, you know mitigate the effects of the pollution that the batteries cause uh, i mean people like uh, sadguru and many others have been uh, spreading the awareness uh, you know towards the fight against climate change and also its adverse effects so uh, do you think people who have a larger reach um, especially like people like sadguru and uh, other celebrities who work towards it but uh, i mean yes i do accept that they have a larger reach but 
my question is that rather than spreading it over the internet i mean it is still good but what one has to do to reach the grassroots level uh, this is a very very good uh, topic that you have raised <clears throat> sadguru has been you know uh, earlier i think couple of years earlier he started the kaveri calling movement which is generally aimed at increasing the the uh, buffer along the, the riparian areas uh, in the watershed areas of the kaveri which is a very good thing you know there it's a two fold one the it raises the awareness among people among the common people that there is such a need and second thing he starts involving those you know to participate if it is if nothing more just by contributing 40 or 42 rupees per sap they get involved it's not about 42 rupees it's about their involvement in the whole movement so that one person will tell the 10 others that i did this and i would also enjoin request would do it so that kind of a spread uh, uh, you know in the it's in the right direction now uh, i think of late he has uh, uh, undertaken the conserve soil movement as well which is again a very very critical thing to do because we all live due to the 6 inches of soil on earth and if that is not preserved then the the life of the human being as a species is at stake so the health of the soil is directly connected not only to our lives but also to the quality of our lives a good quality uh, uh, crop which is grown on a good quality soil fertile soil with microorganisms at, at you know in every cubic centimeter millions of microorganisms in every cubic centimeter the way it should be if that is ensured your health improves your physical health improves your resistance to diseases improves and there are multiple benefits so definitely is something that i think sadguru is doing right and i would see i would like to see you know one sadguru in every you know country you know telling the same thing because just because if a, in india if a cricketer or a, or a, or a, or a cinema star or a, or a person who is well known tells people that this is what needs to be done the, the it, it it accelerates the message goes across to so many more people in much less time so definitely it is a good thing that what you know what they are doing and uh, i would hope that they continue to you know uh, do that support these things because people listen to them and they you know uh, because of their large following the uh, domino effect is that much more so it's a very good thing that you know what they are doing and uh, soil health in particular is extremely important and uh, the the, uh, the very nascent organic farming uh, you know movement we will get a good flip and a good support you know with these things and and once that happens let's remember every organism microorganism also is a carbon sequester the more microorganisms you have they are all biomass and therefore carbon gets sequestered from the atmosphere and it also helps therefore the fight climate change i have i answered your question i'm not yeah, sure yeah 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 i mean uh, yeah because um as the question was on how uh, people you know have to reach that grassroots level um, yeah 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 so yeah and the grassroots level yes there's one more thing so <clears throat> in the grassroots people are more concerned about not about the climate change or carbon sequestration they are concerned about their day to day living they are concerned about where the next meal is going to come from and do i have enough money to send my children to school and so on so that will be the um, 
concerns. So, parallelly, if we can have an awareness among the consumers about the need to support such farmers and people who are actually making a, an impact on the environment, at that kind of a moment, if the you know the powers and influencers of the society, if they can take the town up, that would also you know help you know uh, the the transformation from the pesticide clash fertilizer regime in agriculture to the organic and the good soil uh, culture. You know that would really help. Yeah. And, and one more thing, yeah. uh, one please, please. And we should, as consumers, we should give up our our, uh, I would say, a fad, you know, to see all carrots exactly lined up, exactly having two point, you know, whatever, 15 centimeters long and so much, you know, on the same color, brinjals being exactly the same, bananas being same. No, nature is not like that. Nature means diversity. You will have in one, in one 10 square feet of uh, uh, agriculture plot, you will have potatoes varying in size and shape. You will have bananas, which are, you know, where the bunches are different. So that is the, the magic of diversity and, and nature. So it is our human, I would say, a, a, a flaw in our imagination to think that, you know, whenever there is an avenue, uh, a road with the trees, all the trees should have the same kind of color. All buildings should look alike. All agricultural fields should look the same. All flowers should be of the same color and you know, shape. and uh, it, it is a flaw. Whereas if you just go into nature, if you walk into a forest, you will see that it is so diverse. It is so beautiful. And the, the beauty lies in its diversity. So I would also see that this message uh, would go into the minds of the buyers, not to insist that everything should be the same. Then we become machines, not, no more than machines, you know, uh, controlled by AI. That's it. So diversity is the thing which actually which nature is. And we should, you know, try to uh, get used to that idea that, yes, it comes in all sizes and shapes and colors. So as I was talking about the grassroots level, um, hmm. since uh, childhood, if you know, the young minds are educated about climate change uh, through their schooling system, hmm. wouldn't that be a better option that they'll they'll uh, you know grow up to be good people who who have uh, concern about the environment and they'll try to protect it more than what we are doing right now. Yeah, yeah. See, yes, every every habit, every character is formed uh, during the ages of, uh, let's say, between 4 and, and, and 11 or 4 and 13, perhaps. It is in that age, during that age, when we should have our best teachers teach them, rather than the present day where the, you know, I'm not against professors getting a high pay. Yes, they're good, they're doing their job. But equally high pay should be given to the kids you know, the, the teachers who are teaching kids uh, because that is the impressionable age. That is when they learn a lot in a very short time. That's how nature is. So, when if we can have a curriculum where the importance of sustainability and values concerning the ecosystem services are given to the kids, where then, then I think in a very short while, in 10 or 15 years, you'll start seeing changes and 10 or 15 years is a very short time in the, in, the, in the overall chart of time of the history of the earth. It's not even a blip. So this introduction of curriculum, which gives children the, a true sense of what they need, of what they need to do to the environment, how not to harm it, 
how to be conscious, how to inculcate the spirit of uh, being one with nature in various ways, in whatever way is possible. That, if it is given at least from the, from the fifth or sixth standard up to the tenth standard, up to the end of high school, I think it is a fantastic uh, thing that what the government can do to inculcate the, the, the idea of living sustainably so that it's not just about me and my generation, it's also about future generations that are going to come. If we have concern for ourselves as a nation and as a, as a society which prides itself in its old values, I think we should do that. It's a very good suggestion. Okay. Uh, so what are your thoughts on how consumerism is chosen over good lifestyle um, presently? Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate because, see, this, it's a very subtle thing, you know, with all the nudges going on everywhere. People are being led to certain kinds, certain kinds of uh, lifestyles, you know, the, the aspirations given. See, we always become poor always only in comparison. If I'm living in an island, it doesn't matter whether I'm rich or poor. I'm neither rich nor poor. I, I just am, you know, there, because there's nobody else to compare myself with. But unfortunately, the moment 10 people come in there and the comparisons will start and I want to be as good or, you know, as uh, privileged as the next person or perhaps more. It's a basic human nature to try and uh, be number one, to dominate over the rest. But forgetting that we have reached the status as the dominant species on earth just because by cooperating with others, just because of, the, of our ability to create social structures, we are the number one species on earth. Um, by forgetting that, we try to see that we individually or as a uh, group or as a state or as a country, we try to dominate over the rest. So if we can pull that back a bit and, and see that, you know, <clears throat> forgetting comparison uh, in material wealth, uh, and therefore, the consumerism that comes with it, using that as a yardstick to uh, judge whether I am better than you or not, uh, you know, if we can have uh, uh, some other yardstick, like how Bhutan is experimenting with the happiness index, if we can do that to see that which is the most happy people, end of the day, everyone wants to be happy, whatever materials we buy, or wherever we go on a holiday or etc, we do it because we try to be happy there. So, if we can, you know, use that as a yardstick instead of consumerism, I think it is a win-win because the, then the environment also wins and also the individual wins. Um, but then it has to be adopted, adopted by everyone. Uh, so I don't know if the leaders of all nations or maybe the United Nations or whatever, if they can come in and try and substitute your currency-based um, index like a, a GDP or whatever it may be, a currency-based, a material-based thing, instead of that, if you can have some other thing as the yardstick for measuring, you know, how good you are, like um, uh, we can have other factors, like uh, what is the age to which you live and how happy are you, how, how many less hospitals do you have, what is the rate of disease in your country and what is it in mine? You know, there are many yardsticks that can be chosen over uh, merely money and, you know, dollars or rupees, things like that. Then I think definitely it is, it's a, but it's a switch. I don't know whether the leaders are quite there yet, you know, okay. to take it up. The other thing is, if all the people in the world demand it, the leaders will do it. Yes. Because always leaders want to be in the good books of the people. So the people ask for it and tell that this, this is the demand. Please listen to us leaders. This is what we want. And if everybody does that, then yes, this is what the leaders are going to follow because end of the day, they want to keep their people happy so that 
they can remain in power so yes it is possible but it's a, it's a huge ask but then uh, as confucius said every 1000 mile journey begins with the first step so yes we have to try and and i think the more number of people especially the youth and then the and the kids that are kind of going becoming youth if they started then they are the power the power of the uh, next decade or two they swing it and tell us that this is what we want sort of gdp based on on material numbers like you know your uh, stuff you know that you manufacture and services that are provided instead of that if you can have a gdp based on other considerations like um, how less do we need policing how many uh, what is the rate of crime in the in the country right what is the num- uh, number of rate of hospitalization per capita in the country and based on that if we can take that as a criteria for for gdp or understanding our Uh, you know how well we have developed i think that will be a great thing so uh, but again um, we have to go back to the uh, topic of um, how it is taught in schools so that the young kids can understand how gdp is based right now and how it has to be based on um, consumerism or on sustainability so that they can help combat climate change in general yes. absolutely uh, that is it's a critical thing you know because once you are brainwashed in, at school into thinking that this is what matters if you are mm, neither an engineer nor a doctor then you better you know suicide I'm joking okay <laughs> you know but you get the point uh, if they are removed out of that mindset and, and are told that other kids are equally good you know if you don't have a, a mercedes benz by the time you're uh, you're 25 it doesn't matter uh, but things like your health things like how how good a bonding you have with your family these things are more important if they are taught that then i think uh, the world will become a much much better place <laughs> so uh, at least a um, step in the right direction is taken by the madhya pradesh government that they are uh, planting a sapling every day through the government side and um, i mean it is a very good step but they can encourage other states as well um, as to do that especially uh, you know the world environment day is coming up in about 2 months so maybe we can all take the oath that we can at least plant a sapling per week so on the one hand i i do hope that uh, other governments follow this lead taken up by the government and also come up with innovative ideas how to conserve preserve and restore their forests and also come up with new schemes like what you mentioned plant a tree a week or you know do volunteer service go and find out organizations and outfits which are actually doing work on the ground go and help them learn from them you know and give points for that in your school for everything that they do take a certificate from these people and award them points recognize them in school recognize them let the society award these people instead of calling every time a politician to come and cut the tape call a guy who work for the environment to come and cut the tape you know these are things that go a long way like for in 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 mysore you have salumardati makka yeah. who has done a fantastic job 
of course recently has been recognized by the state and now people have started calling her but there are many many more unsung heroes who have who are doing work you know uh, like this like that and getting them kind of place in society will be a kind of a something to look up to you know even for youngsters they know that you know that if they do a good job for the environment then they are some day at the back of their mind need for recognition is also you know satisfied and uh, um, definitely i think the, gov- the more governments promote uh, the development along with environmental concerns so you, you you need development on the one hand without doubt on the other hand you cannot let go of environment as long as both the things are getting promoted equally uh, i think then that is the way to go forward not only for our states in india but for the entire globe this um, is, is and stop wasting you know we produce just merely for the sake of increasing gdp we cut down our forests we cut down um, you know our life giving forests you know there's a there's a uh, common policy which thinks which feels uh, there's a there's an idea people think that uh, a monocrop uh, uh, area could be a forest or a field uh, in any case since it is growing is it also not sequestering equal carbon the answer is no any monocrop the ability of the monocrop to uh, sequester carbon is far less than a biodiverse forest several times less so if you have a biodiverse forest um, it means that you are sequestering carbon let us say 20 or 30x compared to what would be if it is a monocrop it could be a teak monocrop it could be a invasive species monocrop it could be rice it could be anything basically it's just one species if it is there the amount of carbon which is sequestered is far far less so these things need to be understood by by everyone else and the need for diversity in our uh, in in nature is is very it's critical it's critical so i mean environment is a huge subject because it is what we are it's as much to learn about it, uh, about environment as perhaps in any other stream of engineering or medicine <clears throat> so uh, so the inculcate sense of responsibility in children because that is the hope to inculcate that is perhaps the number one uh, need of the hour i would say sir as you were saying uh, about the monocrops um hmm. isn't that also uh, applicable to uh, our for the forest departments run by a government where uh, you know especially from what i have observed uh, when i'm traveling through nagarhole or bandipur usually the roads are lined with either uh, teak or uh, the, a slight interior is lined with sandalwood so uh, they are they are making it for their own profits is what i believe i, I might be wrong but uh, since as you said monocrop is not that useful uh, when compared to a biodiverse forest isn't yeah the government also uh, especially the forest department also part of the problem itself yeah uh, yeah see earlier the forest policy was different it was that the forest is a is a resource which is to be exploited for human good that used to be the forest policy but now of course there is a shift the forest department no longer 
uh, you know, thinks that the forest is somewhere teak should be grown or sandalwood should be uh, promoted. It doesn't do that anymore. So uh, right now, the department is seized upon um, several things. One is to prevent fire, which is a very destructive thing, uh, to promote the variety and diversity in both flora and fauna. But of course, they have their own constraints in terms of budgetary allocations and such. And therefore, again, it devolves upon the people to demand that. People should tell their elected representatives, provide more budget for the forest department and its other activities. Like it could be the eradication of invasive species. You know, you were, you were mentioning uh, Bandipur and Nagarhole. So Bandipur is, is it's infested with, a, with an invasive species called Lantana camara, which is a, a, a plant of foreign origin. And um, to remove it or to eradicate it from Bandipur is now, it's a, it's, a, it's a Himalayan task. Of course, no single NGO or organization can do it. Only the government can do it. But then where is, the, uh, where is it um, budgeted? It's not budgeted yeah. at all. And why is it not budgeted? Because the government doesn't think it is enough. So how does it know that it is serious? When people go and do a, and, and engage with the lawmakers and tell them that this is what is happening here, and please provide a budget for it. And then the department is trained to do it and they go about their work. So anything is possible if people together come and have a dialogue with the, see, I don't say protest because it, it is not, uh, it doesn't fulfill any purpose. Have a dialogue with the leaders, with the lawmakers, have a, engage with them on uh, like a partnership kind of thing. And we are in this together. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. It's for both of us. Instead of telling me versus you, the people versus the government, it should be us. And together, let us solve this problem. It is a problem. Here it is a problem. And therefore, we should resolve the problem. If that kind of an approach is uh, adopted uh, in the, in, for the forest as well, I am sure that, you know, forest will come back, back to its pristine uh, original self and providing, more importantly, the ecosystem services, which are so crucial for mankind. Without a good watershed, without a good forest in core, you will not have river cavalry coming in. Yes. You will not have water. water. Water security is one of the greatest things that forests provide. So we should take care of our forests. Very important. So right now, we don't even have the budget to, you know, for the department to go after it. So we as people should demand it from our lawmakers. Provide the budget for it. See that it is done. See, um, people's apathy is perhaps unintentional i know it's unintentional but the apathy is perhaps the reason why governance also loses its focus so we should you know piece uh, that to children as well what are your duties as citizens as kids as youth what are you supposed to do engage with your lawmakers one of you are going to be a lawmaker for some day or the other so have it in you that these are things which are crucial for your own sustained and continued growth, you know, so these things should be touched upon and we should adapt, we should change, changes permanent. Uh, so therefore the curriculum keeps, needs revision all the time. Yes. And right now the curriculum needs a good dose of environmental sustainability and the ability to, to talk to, uh, you know, lawmakers, children should know what is the law, what are their rights, what they are supposed to get, you know, uh, these things should be there taught at school at school level at high school level at least so uh, basically because the environmental science that they are teaching right now in schools and colleges are 
on how to exploit the environment rather than save the environment so it has to be uh, shifted to its opposite side and uh, it should be taught on how to save the environment and how saving the environment saves us basically in the future so uh, again as you were uh, telling um, even about the forest um, that people have to go and engage with the lawmakers and you know forest department for the budget and other stuff everything again comes back to the uh, to the individual or the group or community or the society uh, classification so um, so my next question is that since you you yourself are a part of a community um, you know of a, of a mall what are the steps that you personally have taken to combat um, you know some problems that the commercial space that cause, uh, causes you know some problems that are caused by the commercial space to the environment yeah there is there is a quite a lot that one can do even wherever one is placed like for example um, as you were uh, mentioning so we noticed that since the last couple of years our um, uh, air conditioning systems are guzzling power and power means you are using more of your you are also responsible for more carbon emission because power is one of the biggest uh, sources of carbon emission in our country so the more power you use the more carbon goes into the atmosphere so the least that you can do is even if it means spending more money because money is only relative the more you spend at least try to get an efficient system in so where you are using Uh, let's say about 5000 or 6000 units a month um, uh, 10000 units a month bring it down to 5 or 6000 even if it means upgrading your system so that you have the latest most efficient systems in place where you can get the service that's what i mean by balancing it you can't let go of something yeah. but at least try to do something to mitigate the effects of it you know there there you are balancing it so you learn how to you know be in both worlds Uh, one you are not uh, you are uh, putting so much of pressure on the system at the same time you are getting what you want so it might mean a, a, a little bit of a cost like for example if i were to take the 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 example of an individual home what can i do in an individual home i can compost my wet waste uh, in in a aerobic way instead of throwing it out as trash if it goes as trash two things happen one there is a garbage pile which which gives out noxious and Uh, fumes and and it smells terrible and it also let us understand creates methane which is one of the greatest causes for climate change is it's a greenhouse gas which has got uh, about 88 times the ability of carbon dioxide to trap the heat and cause global warming so it emanates from our homes so whenever we uh, something is getting decomposed the bad odor that you get is actually it's a part of methane so that should not happen because it is getting composted without air without oxygen the anaerobic system of decomposition so what you can do is have a small composting bin at your home every day waste whatever waste food waste happens just put it there add some inoculant bacteria it's very cheap and then turn it around once a day so that you know the whole thing not only there is no smell but also there is no methane so you are doing your bit to see that your contribution to climate change is already happening so such small things you know whether it's in the commercial space or in the domestic space understand yes it's good it's good i am not against meat eating but let us also understand that 
meet on an acre-to-acre basis. You require at least five to six times the extent of land uh, for one kilogram of meat to be on the table, which means that much less forest, which means that much less carbon that is getting sequestered. And it is a sin to waste meat because it is coming at such a high price ecologically and that should not be wasted. So that should be consumed fully. And if it is possible to reduce, not stop, it's possible to reduce, then that itself goes such a long way in uh, bringing the carbon emissions in there from the atmosphere. Sequestration is that much more because right now, large swathes of the Amazon rainforest are being cut down to produce corn and soya, which is going into the American beef industry so that the American people and others where it is exporting, they can eat beef. Now, yes, beef eating has been there since times immemorial, you know, so I'm not against that. But is it worthwhile to cut our own noses just to spite our face? You know, yeah. we are cutting our own feet. We don't know where this is coming from and what is the consequence? What is the ecological consequence of me uh, eating so much of, uh, you know, meat? So, uh, while yes, meat eating is just we are perhaps, you know, uh, uh, I wouldn't like to go get into that debate whether we are frugivores or omnivores or this war or that war, it doesn't matter. We have been eating meat since a long time. Let's continue to do that. Those who want, it's a personal preference. But let it be tempered. Let it not. Let us not go overboard. Yeah. It is, it is a common sacrifice that we might have to do just so that the climate comes back within its, you know, where it's supposed to be. So these things, these are such things like, and everyone, whichever, uh, housetop or commercial rooftop is exposed, they should have solar panels to see that you know the at least the power generation, what they require partly is taken care of. So these are small things that people can do. Switch off a light when it is not needed. You are going out of your room, switch it off. Your AC at, at home, put it on a, a, a mode which you know it switches off automatically after two or three hours. Uh, there are so many things that one can do if one is sensitive to it. So there are, yes, many things. And I think every one of us should be a conscious um, a person, conscious of the fact that we are borrowing from the future right now. And uh, there's a debt that needs to be repaid. And, and every action, whether it's in the purchase when we go out for shopping or when we order online or whether it's in our way of living, we, are, we need to understand that we are right now in debt and we need to repay the debt to the extent possible, each one of us. It's a responsibility of every single citizen. Uh, so, yeah, but, uh, you know, to for one person to adapt the measures of sustainability, uh, it's like adapt and adopt these measures. How should a person, uh, let's say a person who has very little knowledge, how can he do that? A person, uh, I would say this is a, uh, um, a person who has very little knowledge is generally not doing so much of harm. Uh, it is, it's the person who, um, you know, promotes manufacture stuff, which is needed. Like, for example, if you go to a factory, uh, which is in a continuous flow, uh, for example, a car, you know, it's not as though they have an order for that car right then, right there. And they're yeah. manufacturing that car against that order. No. 
they have a capacity to manufacture x cars per day or month and they go on increasing it then they try to sell whatever car is is manufactured at a later date to the common man so the common man per se the only thing he or she needs to do is whenever they buy certain stuff whenever whenever they get certain stuff ask a question do i need it that's all they need to do if the if the answer is yes they need it take it no problem if the answer is perhaps maybe i don't need it now then don't take it and that single question being a, a conscious buyer a conscious individual is the only thing that they need to have with us so instead of blaming the factories and instead of blaming the the people who are creating all that i would try to uh, put more onus on the individual and his lifestyle um of living uh, the unsustainable way currently that we are living and ask them at at every stage ask yourself this one question do i really need this I need this do i need this new set of clothes do i need this new shoe do i need this uh, thing do i need to travel so much do i need to do i need a new car yes these are questions that we need to ask ourselves at you know at every point and if the answer is yes then please go ahead no problem if i need it yes please take it if i don't need it then no if i say that the answer is perhaps not now maybe later then delay it till the answer is that yes i need it now right so that one single thing is enough for the lay person to become uh, a warrior uh, you know in this uh, uh, fight against climate change okay so uh, do you have any specific mantra that um to fight climate change according to you personally yeah just just as i concluded we the mantra is we have to become a, a conscious uh, people uh, adult uh, at every stage we need to have the consciousness that what is the consequence of my action uh, on the planet um you know at every stage if we just have that one thought is this sustainable what i'm doing you know uh, is it is it harmful to the earth is it harmful to the planet then we should not do it so this one thing should be kept there as a mantra just at every step if we just question ourselves uh, is this whatever i'm doing whether it's a buying or a doing or whatever is this going to help the planet or is it going to hurt the planet that's it that's that one idea if we go around our life with it then i think we would be we don't need to have you know even conversations like these yeah. what we are right now having <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, so this is the last segment of the program it's called uncommon questions and signature questions which are uh, you know pretty unique to this podcast so um, okay. i'll start by asking the first question uh, mm-hmm. what's something that people seem to understand and misunderstand about you oh you know uh, people generally tend to uh, uh, categorize and uh, they tend to put you in a certain category you know uh, every time they see you okay no so he's a he's an exhibitor he's a businessman right and he's this he's that so which is not true you know of anyone of me but of anyone because we are a mixture of so many things and 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 we change you know um, we keep changing you know influences come in and we change but people don't will not understand that they once they know you know either in a good sense or in a not good sense and they tend to keep that opinion about you all the time you know for like forever 
so yeah. perhaps yeah. yeah perhaps not understanding that they themselves would have changed and i would have changed i am not the same person i was 2 years ago i am not going to be the same person i will be in the next 2 years so that i think is one thing that about not only about people about me it general it's common but i find that you know quite that we tend to get siloed you know put in silos and categorized you are yeah. this you are that which i feel is a it's a bit unfortunate sometimes okay oh, what makes you feel inspired oh so many things you know, take a walk in the forest i am uh, it's my favorite place you know uh, see something good being done something helpful which is being done selfless in fact uh, i feel inspired by that um some some somebody working for the common good um maybe perhaps individual good also is included in that doesn't matter as long as common good is there then it's inspiring you know as a people recently i was in the northeastern state and um, the way they follow the traffic rules there you know uh, on the one side you have a heavy line of traffic and on the other side is empty and there's not a single vehicle coming on that and yet you know nobody goes to the other side so you know if a, if 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 a state from our own country can do it why can't the others do it you know i feel inspired by such on you know seeing such things so um and i think nature is the greatest inspirer of all if we just take a little bit of time out to see the brilliant colors in nature you know the way a, a butterfly such as a flimsy fragile thing can travel miles miles in its own steam that's very inspiring to me and uh, you know there there is no limit practically i mean everything can be an inspiration okay if you can go back in time and talk with your 18 year old self what would you tell him that's a good one so i would tell him or her not to run after money but to allow money to run after you okay <laughs> uh, don't go after money live your life you have certain convictions and you have to stand by them and not get influenced too much by you know the world and society and think that you know this is the way you have to live no you have to live life according to your terms have the courage of conviction to go through with it okay sir uh, what's the most important thing that you have learned in your life it's it's to be positive to see good in everything okay um there are always two sides to anything and sometimes at times we tend to become negative and try to see the bad side of things uh you know to point it out to highlight it and so on forgetting that the world is a canvas and there are boundary certain black spots here and there and our duty is that not to highlight those black spots but to concentrate on the larger white spaces okay that's what i've learned to be positive who are the three people who have been the most influential to you of course first is family and i would perhaps say that uh, i've learned more from my wife than anyone else uh, she's a very positive person and i think some of it has, has rubbed off um one and um uh, i can't pinpoint but yes the many readings that i have done uh my my colleagues with whom i work uh, in uh, in the forest they have been very uh, you know they have had a lot of influence and perhaps i on them and on me that 
the we have a restoration NGO as you did in the introduction. Yes. And I find it very rewarding, and therefore, you know, uh, I guess it has influenced me. And of course, some of my teachers, I can't forget that uh, at high school. Uh, yes, uh, in particular, one Mr. Menon, uh, and uh, he was very, very, you know, uh, inspiring at that time for me. And I, because I can, I can relate. I can still remember what he said. So naturally, I think uh, yes, he has had a great influence on my thinking. Yes. Okay, sir. Uh, this is the segment called signature questions. Uh, these are the last two questions which are uh, unique to the podcast. So. Uh, if you were to advise a person who wants to come into your field, what would that advice be? Come into my field in my position. Yeah, I, I would say you, you have to live your life. You have to follow your heart to see that you do more good than that. It's inevitable that some um, collateral damage will happen. But you see that consciously you try to uh, live in a way which is the easiest and the least stressful for you and for people around you. Make yourself so light uh, that you you are not a burden on anyone. I think that would be something that I would tell somebody. While at the same time, when I say you're light, which means that you are continuously joyous and continuously happy. Okay, sir. Um, since the podcast itself is called the anything pod, what is the anything that you would like to talk about that which is not related to what we have discussed until now? Oh, I would like to um, see that people uh, uh, try to do a little bit of introspection, you know, and try to see their purpose in their in their world. Why are you in this place? Why are you here where you are? What are you doing, whatever you're doing? What is it that you want out of life for yourself? And uh, try to understand yourself. You know, what are your greatest likes and dislikes? What is it that makes you very happy? And uh, such things, you know, that I think is very unfortunately again missing in our curriculum. We used to have something called moral science early on when I was a kid. It's not there anymore now, unfortunately. But that is something, you know, going towards that. I would like to see people, uh, you know, take time out, you know, at least once in a week or once in 15 days or whatever. Spend about half an hour with yourself, not doing anything really. Maybe try to understand that how is your life? Where is it taking you? Is this this what you wanted for yourself? You know, things like that. That I think is very important to bring about a sense of harmony, you with yourself, I mean, you know what I mean, you know, you have to be comfortable with yourself first. You have to be comfort, comfortable with the way you appear, the way you look, without classifying yourself as fat, thin, tall, dark, and all these things. Feel comfortable the way you are. You need a lot of, you need a lot of, throw a lot of trash out of your mind for that, for those things to happen. And uh, I think that, I think is something I would love to see everyone doing, you know, um, without getting stereotyped, without stereotyping everyone, oh, this guy, this community is good, this is not so good. Well, end of the day, we're all people. We are all, uh, remove the skin and we're the same underneath. So that basic uh, understanding of uh, ourselves, very important first, in order to understand others later. I would uh, really love to see people do that more. Uh, 
do you have anything special to say to our listeners uh, who are listening to the podcast uh i think i've just reiterate betterling yes um, be good do good consciously at least unconsciously we don't know try to be no more more conscious of every action that you make uh, we all live uh, i would say a life which has been automated by some kind of an artificial intelligence sitting in inside our minds and we follow the those dictates you know very even without our awareness so i would uh, perhaps say live more consciously you know every moment do things consciously good or bad whatever do it consciously now i would try to say that okay sir thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, giving us the insight regarding climate change and how one can at least start uh, in the step towards the fight against it so thank you so much oh it's been a pleasure pradyumna thank you so much i really love this conversation thank you thank you once again